Well, as you know, uh, we live in a, a strange and uncertain time. And uh, more than ever, we need to be the church that God has designed us to be, which is why we're going through the series, We Are the Church. Moving forward, uh, we all need to commit to keeping our faith in God and His plan for remaining, uh, by remaining faithful to attend, to connect, to serve each other, to faithfully and sacrificially give so we can continue to impact our world for Christ. You know, we can learn a lot from this first century church who lived in far more uncertain times than we do. I mean, they're the ones who were being truly persecuted for the faith. They're the ones who lived um, with the understanding and the potential for being imprisoned or even put to death, for meeting together as Christians, for sharing their faith with other people. And for us today, it's not always easy to do. But like the first century church, we need to, we need to operate within Jesus' strength. We need to operate within his wisdom and, and his commitment to the mission that motivated him to put on flesh, to live a perfect life, to die her an horrific death on the cross, and then rise again to secure our salvation. And it's that salvation we want to talk about today. As a church, we have the gospel. We have the good news of salvation. It's really, it's the second D of our mission statement. We want people to discover truth, which is what you find in God's word. And then we want people to decide on Jesus. But we need to be clear on what that message is. See, when it comes to salvation, heaven, people tend to focus on good works or religious rituals and traditions that they think they need to do to earn God's approval. I mean, when you ask the average person, you say, hey, you know, are you going to be going to heaven? They typically say something like, well, I think so. I mean, I hope so. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I, I haven't done anything really, really bad. And interestingly, every religion in the world, including some who call themselves Christian, teach this to their people. But is that how God says salvation is secured? And this is a huge question to answer because our eternal life is at stake. Now, I'm not saying that God, uh, good works aren't important or that they're not somehow connected to our salvation. The question is, do good works, religious activities, produce salvation or does salvation produce good works? In other words, does a person do good works to be saved or do they do good works because they are saved? We'll go ahead and turn to uh, Titus chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 4. It's page 1194, and I want to encourage everybody, uh, since it's, we're not going to have a bunch of stuff up on the screen today, except for my uh, handsome face, um, I want you, everybody to grab a Bible, there's one there in the seat, like I said, it's page 1194, uh, use your phone, if you have a phone, uh, Bible app on your phone, uh, but open it up, Titus chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 4, we really want to focus in on this. Well, Titus, he's one of Paul's uh, young pastors that he's been training, and He's using a first century version of distance learning as Paul writes this letter to him, encouraging him and telling him, hey, here's the things you need to be teaching about to the, to the Christians in the city of Crete. And in these uh, verses, Paul makes a, a, a distinction between works and salvation and how they go together. 
And so we want to break this, these verses down and get some understanding and answer some questions. But let me go ahead and read it. We're going to start in verse 4 and go to verse 8. It says this, When the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, that's key, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and a renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would, be, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. So here's Paul's point. And then we're going to flesh this out. Salvation is not about what you do. It's not about what I do. It's about what God has done. It's not about what you or I do to gain God's approval, because He already loves us. It's about what God has done. See, the main verb in these verses is in verse 5, where it says, He saved us. And so there's, there's three questions um, that we have coming out of these, that we need to answer these three questions that are in this passage. The first one is, how does God save us? Secondly, why does God save us? Why does it have to be God and not us? And then thirdly, for what purpose does God save us? So let's kind of work through these things. First thing, one of the things you'll notice as you read through this, all three persons of the Trinity are in this passage. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are in this passage. All three are involved in our salvation. He says that, that uh, the kindness of God, our Savior, verse 4, and His love for mankind appeared. So there is a physical representation that showed up somewhere on earth that is, shows God's kindness and God's love for mankind. Well, we know that today is Jesus Christ. God the Son put on flesh and was born Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. In fact, in Colossians 1.15, Paul says that Jesus is the image of of the invisible God. The word image in the Greek means icon or statue. And so he is, he is the very image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? You look at Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 says there that Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. You want to know what God is, who God is, and, and how he operates, what he is like as a person? You look at Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said this himself in John 14, 7. We looked at it last week. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He said that right after saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so we have to believe that Jesus is God, the one who represents God, and is the one who died for us. He goes on to say in verse 5 that it's according to his mercy. So he saved us according to his mercy, God's mercy. Now, mercy means not getting what we deserve. We all deserve hell because of our sin. It's, it's the judgment that God has laid out for those who have sinned against him, who have disobeyed him. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Then he says according to, so it's according to his mercy. Now again, it may not seem important, but it is very important. He didn't say from his 
mercy or, or out of his mercy, because that would mean that he's given us a little bit of his mercy. According to means in relationship to the quantity of his mercy. Well, God is infinite. Everything associated with him is infinite. His mercy is infinite. So it doesn't matter how bad you think you are or the, how bad of things you've done in the past. God's mercy is infinite and it can cover that sin. And so that's part of the salvation that takes place, his mercy. Next, he talks about this washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, still in verse 5. These are like $35 theology words you can impress your friends and family with. But again, very important because this is something that God does, God the Holy Spirit does in our lives as he penetrates into our spiritual level, past our physical to our spiritual. He uses the word regeneration, the washing of regeneration. That word there means uh, spiritual renovation. It means rebirth. It's speaking to the spiritual life that God gives us at the point of salvation. The word renew, renewing, also means renovation, but it's speaking more to the, the ongoing spiritual change that happens in a person's life, the, the, the visible change that happens, which we're going to be talking about next week. The, the fact that when we come to know Christ, that's when we do good works so that we look more and more. It doesn't help us become more saved. It's just that we're now one of God's children, and now we do life God's way. And it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who helps us with that. So he penetrates to our soul level. He washes out our sin. He gives us spiritual life, and then he gives us the power to live out that spiritual life that God calls us to. See, we, we can't give ourselves spiritual life, just like we didn't give ourselves physical life. Only God can give us physical life and the spiritual life we need to be in a relationship with him. And so God and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Notice, it's Jesus Christ who is our Savior. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is our Savior. There's no us in that equation other than being the one, the one being saved. We have no part in our salvation. It's all God, and it's only through Jesus Christ that we have this work of God in our lives. He says we're He's richly uh, poured out upon us richly. There again, this God is infinitely rich. And so God is going to uh, richly pour out His Holy Spirit upon us, infinitely pour out His Spirit on us. It can take away whatever sin is in our life, no matter how bad we may think we are. Verse 7 goes on, it says, So that being justified by His grace we will be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified by His grace. So, justified is a, the Greek word for justified is a legal term. We're all going to stand before God one of these days as our judge. But those who have placed their faith in Christ, God is going to justify them. He's going to declare them not guilty. That's what that word means. He will, He declares us not guilty of our sins at the moment where we place our faith in Christ Jesus. And it's by His grace. Grace means gift. And so it's, it can't be something that we earn. 
Because a gift isn't something that we earn. A gift is freely given. And so God freely gives us this salvation if we turn to him in faith. He talks further, like we said, about the heirs of uh, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus, as our Savior, then allows us to have eternal life, to have salvation. So, when does God save us then? If it's God who saves us, when does salvation happen? Well, according to verse 8, where he says, this is a trustworthy statement, and concerning things I want you to speak confidently, that those who have believed will be careful to engage in good deeds. Good works don't produce salvation. Salvation produces good works. It's those who have believed God who are to engage in good works. The, the biblical um, belief, the word believe in the Bible, typically means, and in this case, it's, it's what he's talking about here, the one who um, places their full weight of trust on something or someone. In this case, we put our full weight of trust on what God says about what salvation is. Paul put it this way in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you put your full weight of trust on what God says, that, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then he will save you. He will declare you not guilty of your sins. He will wash you clean of your sin and give you the spiritual life needed through the Holy Spirit. So why does God have to save us? Why don't we have a part in our salvation? Well, because God says in, in verse 5, if we go back, jump back, it's not on the basis of the deeds which we have done in righteousness. He says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. See, here's the deal. Here's why we can't be involved in the salvation, working, somehow helping ourselves be saved. And, and I think sometimes the answer is so simple, it's difficult for people to grasp. But here's the deal. According to Jesus, sin is a heart issue. In fact, in, in Matthew 15, uh, 19-20, he says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slander. So all these bad things that people do, it comes out of the heart. And these are the things which defile a man. What causes us to be uh, at odds with God or separated from God is our heart, is our sin at the heart level. And you might be thinking, well, I haven't committed any or all of those sins, those things. But, I mean, let's be honest with each other. We've all had some evil thoughts at some point or another in our lives. I mean, think of the person who cut you off in traffic the last time. I mean, we have evil, wrong thoughts all the time. Add to that what Jesus said previous to this in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. He says about murder that if somebody hates somebody else, if you have hate in your heart, if you call somebody stupid, then it's as if you've killed that person and you are guilty of hell. And so you deserve 
hell. In other words, murder is bad, it's wrong, it's a sin. But the problem is, someone who murders, it starts in a person's heart. A hatred in their heart. And so if you have hatred in our heart, that's the sin that causes everything else that goes on. And that person is guilty of murder and deserves hell. And he talks about adultery. He says if, if a person has lustful thoughts about another person in their life, sexual thoughts about another person, they've committed adultery in their heart and they deserve hell. And so just having a thought about somebody else, even if you didn't commit adultery, but having that seed, that sin in our heart is what causes us to be guilty before God. And again, who hasn't done one or both of these at some point or another in their life? See, our problem is a heart issue that we can't fix. We can't penetrate to that depth. Maybe another way to explain it is this. If, if a person is doing good things, and they're doing it because they want to get to heaven, they want something for themselves, so they're helping people, they're doing nice things, they're saying nice things, they're doing religious activities in their life, because they want to get to heaven. What's that motivation? What's motivating them? What's motivating them is selfishness. And we all know that selfishness is sin. And so if we're motivated by selfishness, and that's why we're doing good things, then the good thing that we're doing is actually sin. So where do good works come into play? Well, look again at verse 8. It says, so that those who have believed God, so those that have placed their faith, their full weight of trust in God, and what he says about what salvation is, will be careful to engage in good deeds. Good works are to be done after God saves you. God saves us, another way to look at it is God saves us to do good works for others. Those who believe God, those who have placed their full weight of trust in what God says about Jesus dying across for their sins are to be careful to do good works. If God saves us, then our good works can be done without selfish motives. If, if it's God who saves us, then all the good things that I do, all the religious stuff that I do, the being kind to people, has everything about the fact that I love God and I want to show Christ's love to others. See, Jesus, when he came, he came in the flesh to tell people about who God is through living life God's way and then through his, his life and sacrifice draw people to God for salvation. And those who put their full weight of trust in what God says about salvation becomes heirs of salvation, we talked about in these verses. What is an heir? Well, an heir is a child who has received an inheritance. In John 1.12, the Apostle John says that, that those, I'm loose paraphrase here, but basically those who accept Christ, to those people he's given the power to become children of God. And as God's children... Like Jesus, God the Son, 
We do life God's way to show others who He is, and then through our life and our sacrifice of doing good deeds for people, we draw others to Him for salvation. We're going to talk more about these things in the next couple weeks, the next two weeks, demonstrating change and uh, deploying for others to serve and to share our faith, which is what we're going to be talking about in the next couple weeks. So I want to give all of that today, but come back next week and the week after, and we'll be covering those things. But what are the takeaways from what God has given us in these verses? Well, I'm going to ask the band to come on up and, and get situated, and as they do, uh, let me just give you a couple takeaways. The gospel means good news, right? We talked about that earlier. It's good news. So if you're trying to be good enough to get God to accept you, then understand that there's nothing you can do to gain God's acceptance. He already loves you. He died for you before you ever were born. So accept the good news that, that, that God doesn't want you to continue trying to do good things to get His acceptance, His approval. You can't be good enough. I can't be good enough. So here's the first thing. Number one, takeaway. If you've never accepted God's gift of salvation through faith in Christ, then today accept God's good news that He's done everything that could be done, that needs to be done, for you to have salvation. And it's through faith in Jesus Christ. God says that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, and rose again to secure your salvation. And if you put your faith in that, if you put your full weight of trust on what God's saying there, then God forgives you of your sin, declares you not guilty, justifies you, declares you not guilty, and gives you the spiritual life that you need for this life and the life to come through the presence of His Holy Spirit. How does that happen? How, how can you receive the gift? Well, again, we use this here all the time, uh, but it's, it's, it's simple. It's as simple as the ABCs, and it's this. A stands for admit. So we just simply admit, I know that I'm a sinner. I, I get it. I, I know I've been trying to gain God's approval. I've been uh, being selfish in doing that. I've done other things that I know God does not approve of. I've, I've broken God's laws. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm separated from God, and I want God's forgiveness of my sin. And so we just simply admit that. We've all, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, have already done that. When we're not any more special than anybody else. We've all sinned. The B stands for believe. That put in your full weight of trust in Christ and what he did for you on the cross. And then the C stands for confess. And what that is is just basically having a conversation with God and admitting it, that I'm a sinner and I need your salvation and I'm believing, I'm putting my full weight of trust that when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for my sins, and I ask you to forgive me my sins. And so, what I like to do is, is just take a moment, and where you're sitting right here, right now, you can pray that prayer. Again, prayer is just conversation with God. And so let me just encourage you, pray something along these lines. Just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner, 
and I'm separated from you because of my sin. But I want your forgiveness. I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation that his death on the cross covers my sin, pays for my sin. Will you please forgive me? I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can shoot the church uh, an email, or if you have my email, you can shoot me an email. Uh, go up on Facebook, our Facebook page and message me. I'd love to know that you prayed that prayer today. And the last thing is this. If you're a Christian, engage in good deeds to show others in your life who God is, what He is like, and then through that to draw them to Him for salvation. I want to encourage you to come back next week and as we talk more about what some of the good deeds are that we are to engage in as God demonstrates the change in our life that He wants to make. Thanks for coming this morning, and I'm going to hand it off to, uh, to Ben and the band, and um, again, look forward to seeing you guys in a couple weeks. We'll see you.